All right, on today's Triangle Sports Take, we're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes uh, playoff run that they're on right now, uh, as well as maybe a segment or two. Not too uh, long of a crazy show today, but we just wanted to check back in for a little bit. I know it's been a little while. Uh, don't think we've talked to talked to our loyal listeners since college basketball season came to an end. Um, you know, we took a little time off. Our boy Mitchell got married, so we're officially all married now. Mitchell, how does it feel to uh, be living the married life now? It feels good, but it's actually great. It doesn't feel much different than uh, the engaged life, but it's good. Glad to, glad to make it three out of three now on the pod. Yeah, yeah. So all, all three of us are uh, married now, so sorry, ladies. You're going to have to look elsewhere. Um. Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna start things off uh, talking about the Hurricanes a little bit. They have beat the Boston Bruins. They're currently in a two-two tie with the Rangers in the second round as we're recording this. Game four just came to an end, so I'll, I'll just kind of give a couple thoughts on it. Then Mitchell, if you want to give a couple thoughts, you can. I know it's mostly gonna be Cody talking about this. He is a he is a die-hard Hurricanes fan. Me and Mitchell are just kind of you know lukewarm Hurricanes fans, but um. Uh, from what I saw in the series against Boston, I, I think the main takeaway is I'm just glad we had a home ice in that series. Uh, the Canes won every game at home, lost every game on the road, so they took it in seven. It seemed like just about every game, except maybe for game seven, was a blowout you know, one way or the other, whether it was in favor of the Hurricanes or in favor of the Bruins. Um, but I thought it was a good series. It felt good to beat the Bruins. You know, it always feels good to beat a team from Boston and especially since I think the Bruins had knocked the Canes out of the playoffs two of the last three years. So definitely felt good to get some revenge there. Uh, like I said, glad we had a home ice. That was pretty much the deciding factor of the series. Uh, won that one in seven. And then so far this uh, series against the Rangers, as I mentioned, as we're recording this, uh, it's tied 2-2 two to two in the series. And so far this one's going just like the – uh, series against the Bruins, where the home team has won every game so far. The Canes won the first two. Bruins, have, or excuse me, the Rangers have won the last two. So, I, I guess we hope it goes like the last series. If that's the case, the Canes will win in seven again. If it's the home team winning every uh, every game, but uh, so far they're just uh, kind of up and down. When they're home, they're good. When they're away, they're bad. That's that's really all the, uh, the thoughts I have, the takeaway I have so far. Hopefully we can keep winning at home, but also play a little bit better on the road. We're going to have to do that if we want to make it all the way to the finals. Uh, Mitchell, do you have anything you want to share on that? Yeah, it's crazy how different of a difference from my snakes. I've only ever been to one playoff game, but um, it was probably the most wild sporting event I've ever been to. And taking that into account, I understand why – Having home ice is so important in the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially so. Um, that's pretty much it for me. I'll go ahead and turn it over to Cody, our local Hurricanes expert. Yeah, it's been crazy losing every away game so far. In the Bruins series, it was especially frustrating because we really weren't even playing well in Boston. I mean, we were pretty bad. The frustrating thing is game three of our current series, we played really well in New York our first game um, against the Rangers up 2 nothing. We outplayed them. We had like 11 more shots on goal. 
we had almost double the high danger scoring chances. We had like two or three shots off the post. And just Igor Shosturkin pretty much stole a game for him. He played insanely well. Um, so it sucks losing in that manner. And then today, we just couldn't stay out of the penalty box. I think in the first period, we had spent 21 minutes in the penalty box, and they'd spent five. You just can't win games like that. That's a recipe for disaster. You can't build any momentum. You can't get your lines going. So we're going to have to come up with a way to stay out of the box and then, you know, keep putting pressure on them. Uh, Freddie Anderson is practice now. He played 20 minutes with the team and 20 minutes with the goalie coach. So his return is imminent, I'm thinking. Uh, Ranta has played really well, so he's uh, – He's been doing well, so I don't see any reason to rush Freddie Anderson back. But he is close to coming back, and that could give the team a lift when we need it most. So, uh, pretty excited to see it. Just frustrating to always be losing on the road. We're going to have to win some home games eventually. So, we'll see what we can work out. we got to get some of our bigger guys to step up, too. Spetch has really struggled. He looked really good in Game 3. And he looked decent today, but he hasn't been able to score any goals or really get any assists. Marty Nietzsche has really, really struggled. He's been looking lively, but he, I don't know, he can't get a shot on goal. So, need some of our bigger names to step up and come through for us outside of Ajo and Teravine in the last couple of games. So, we'll see what happens, but it's been... Uh, Interesting playoffs so far. Cody, uh, I know you're talking about Freddie Anderson and Ronta. I heard someone saying, like, even if Freddie Anderson is back and healthy, he's not sure if they would put him back in over Ronta because Ronta's been doing pretty good. Do you agree with that, or do you think if Anderson's healthy, they'll put him in for sure? Um, I think if we're winning the series when Anderson is back and healthy – We'll keep running with Ranta. Um, but I think once Freddie is back and healthy, we're one Ranta poor start, or not even poor start, just mediocre start away from seeing Freddie back in the goal. When you have, I mean, if you look at Freddie's stats for the season, I think when your season is on the line, no matter who's been playing well lately, You've got to go with the guy that, you know, is tried, true, proven, one of the top goalies in the league. I mean, was literally one of the top goalies in the league this year. So I think uh, as soon as Ronta struggles or doesn't even struggle, just doesn't play outstanding, then you got to give Freddie a try once he's healthy. But I think for now it's Ronta's net to lose, not – necessarily a shoe in that Freddie will start. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Um, that's my thoughts. So, so kind of looking ahead, I mean, it's it's 2-2 in this series against the Rangers as we're recording, so hopefully the Canes can win. I do feel pretty good since, you know, the Rangers would have to win one in Raleigh no matter what. Um, 
If the Canes do win this series, they play the Lightning next series. Is that right? Yeah, and the Lightning just swept the Panthers. Yeah, and that now if that series happens, Canes versus Lightning, wouldn't Tampa Bay have home ice? Is that right? Yeah, so the Canes will have home ice again. Oh, the Canes would have home ice against Tampa Bay? Yeah, yeah they would have home ice against Tampa Bay. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking it was the other way around for some reason, so... Hey, I guess they can just keep doing this strategy of only winning at home for, you know, at least another series. But hopefully they can learn how to win on the road. I feel like if if they're going to win at all, they've got to figure out how to win on the road at some point. Yeah, I think the Canes just tied the NHL record or one behind the NHL record for most home games won straight in a playoffs. Hmm. Wow. Where, like... I think because now we're at what eleven games where only the home team has won. I think that's the NHL record, or twelve is the NHL record. It'd be really curious uh, how long that streak keeps going. I think you know we we had an opportunity to win in game three, so I think we're getting close. Penalties derailed us today, so I think. You know, I think if we win game five at home, then we're going to come in ready to play and win game six. But that's just my take. Okay, I got you. Uh, Mitchell, you got any last thoughts on the Canes, or should we transition to the next thing we're going to talk about? Yeah, we can go ahead and transition. Okay. All right, so we're going to go ahead and uh, do a little bit of questions with Carson segment before we end this show. Uh, my question today, it's a pretty simple one in some ways, but in other ways it may be kind of complex to think about. But my question is simply, are there more legs or eyes in the world? So if you think about it, I'm talking human beings, any kind of creature, are there more legs or eyes combined in the world? Um, I, I have some thoughts on that, but I want to let you guys go first. Uh, Cody, how about you kick us off first on this one? Yes, you gave us a little time to prep on this one. I appreciate that. I was doing some research and there's actually about a 50-50 balance between aquatic and land vertebrae or vertebrates, (laughs) things with a backbone. Um, So I think it's a pretty 50-50 split between fish and animals. And so I'm actually going with the legs. Based off of like ant colonies where there's six legs per two eyes, millipedes and centipedes, stuff like that, there's a whole lot of legs. And even a lot of like fish creatures like sand fiddlers and crabs and lobsters and stuff whole bunch of legs for just a couple eyes. I just don't think there's enough fish to overtake the uh, the eyes and no legs. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as Cody with that one. I think I can't think of a single other animal that has no legs but eyes except for fish. And for that reason and the all the insects, arachnids, all that stuff, I think I think I gotta go with legs too. Okay. 
So I'll, I'll first say I really have no idea what the answer to this is. I don't know that anyone knows what the answer is, but I'm actually going to disagree with you guys. I was thinking about this, and what, what y'all say makes sense, so I may be wrong, but I'm going to disagree, and I think I'm right, simply based on the fact that the ocean is huge. Like, you compare land versus the ocean, you know, when you're comparing all, or combining all the oceans, there's more water than there is land on the world. So I'm thinking by that logic, there's got to be way more fish than creatures on land. I, I know I know you said it's about 50-50, Cody, but I'm, I'm not so sure I believe that. So just based off of that, I think I'm going to go with eyes because I think there's just a whole lot more uh, fish and creatures in the ocean that have eyes and no legs. So that's kind of my way of thinking. I don't know if you guys have any way of, or uh, anything you want to come back at with that, but that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. That's an interesting idea, and I never thought about it that way. I guess what I would think about is, although the land obviously is a lot less surface area than water, how much aquatic life is actually in the middle, like the bare middle of the ocean? I don't know the answer to that. It might be none. It might be a whole lot. Maybe that's that might decide um, the answer to the question. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. something that I don't know any if anyone knows the answer to, just because I don't think we've explored the entire ocean. Um, yeah, Cody, what were you saying? Yeah, I agree. It's it's really hard to say because nobody's really explored it. But uh, I don't know. Because when you start thinking about everything that lives under the ground and everything else, there's a lot of things with legs in the world. You know what? Snakes. I didn't think about snakes. Ooh, that's how many snakes are around the planet versus like bugs? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, heck, even like the little microscopic creatures like amoeba and stuff have legs. You yeah. can't even see them. I'm team legs. I'm just thinking like you got snails, you got slugs, you got snakes. That's about all the land creatures I can think of that don't have legs. I I don't know. It might be legs. I'm still sticking with eyes. I don't think anybody really knows for sure. Um, Cody, what what source did you have that said it was 50-50 between land animals and water animals? That that wasn't Wikipedia, was it? <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> I say Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I, I, maybe it's right, but I feel like it's not. I feel like there's got to be more in the ocean, but uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I haven't done any research on that. I don't have anything to back it up. Yeah, so. and saw it was... It was I, so you went and switched it to legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you don't have to find that source. I wasn't really asking. I was just making sure it wasn't Wikipedia, but if you have it, let us know. So it's from the Atlantic. Uh, the Atlantic. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying that. It sounds a little, uh, sounds a little fake. It might be fake news. This is saying... Hang on. 80% of the Earth's species live on land, 15% in the ocean, and the remaining 5% in fresh water. Wait, that's it? 80% are on land? Yeah. They do not think this difference is entirely an artifact of land being better explored. There are oodles and oodles of species in the sea, but to make up that difference would be an awful lot. says, Gerat or Mate. Mage, 
a marine ecologist and paleoecologist who's written about the land-sea species discrepancy with his collaborator, Rick Grosberg, another ecologist at the University of California, Davis. So the seeming lack of ocean diversity is not just the bias of us land-based creatures, they argue. It's a bias that marine researchers also agree with. What then is intrinsically different about the land's ability to support biodiversity? And we're putting aside micro, microbial diversity in this discussion, which is not meant as a slight to microbes, but rather they are too different to generalize with multicellular life. Single-celled microbes are governed by different forces, and even the concept of species is different. One reason they have suggested is a physical layout of terrestrial habitats, which may be more, more fragmented and diverse. So basically islands are hotbeds for diversification and uh, over time natural selection, even chance can turn two different populations of the same species on two islands into two species. The ocean in contrast is one big interconnected body of water with fewer physical barriers to keep populations apart. It also doesn't have as many temperature extremes that can drive diversification. And then they said the deep sea that is not explored is basically a big fridge with the door closed for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not buying all that, but um, I don't know. Those people are probably smarter than me, so I guess they probably know more, but... Even though okay, even though it says that, I'm I'm sticking with Team Eyes because I don't think there's any way it's eighty percent of the creatures on land versus twenty percent in in the sea. I think once well, they threw that stat out there, they lost all credibility in my eyes. Well, it's not it's not the number of creatures. They're making the point based off of number of species. Oh, oh okay. I didn't, the, I, I didn't catch that. The split on actual creatures is probably more 50-50. The other point that they make is that you have to have a certain amount of plants to support life. Mm -hmm. And plants primarily survive based off of photosynthesis. So after you hit a certain point in the ocean, it doesn't support plant life because the sunlight can't get but so deep into the water to support even like algae and seaweed. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think we uh, I think we just had the first ever science lesson on the Triangle Sports Take. So now we're an educational podcast too. So look at that, we can really do it all. Um, you guys have any last thing you want to say on that, or should we go ahead and wrap this episode up? That's it for me. I'm good. Thanks for listening to the article that I found. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, just to kind of wrap it up real quick, we haven't forgotten about Cody's punishment with the uh, the the hot ice cream. He's gonna have to do that soon. We'll we'll figure out a day sometime soon. You know, with within probably the earlier part of this summer if we can. Uh, we will put that on Instagram Live because of course we're all gonna want to see Cody's reaction to having to eat that. Uh, so we will figure out a day, keep everyone updated. Um, we'll uh, we'll keep everyone updated, you know, on the Hurricanes. Hopefully, they can uh, continue this playoff run that they're on, and you know, also we got NBA playoffs. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next time, uh, as well as 
The college baseball postseason is starting. I know NC State got a win over Wake Forest in the ACC tournament today in the opening round. Carolina got a win over Clemson in the opening round. So, uh, really, this is an underrated time of year for sports. You know, we got NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, college baseball postseason. There's a there's a lot going on before all those. Uh, you know, come to an end in a few weeks, and then we, you know, don't have too much later in the summer, but uh, a lot of sports going on right now, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I think that's all I have for this episode, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to say. I'm good. If you want some underrated sports to watch, watch the Battle of Alberta, the Calgary-Edmonton playoff series for the NHL. It is crazy. Yeah, I heard that was really good, too. I haven't watched any of it, but maybe I can get around to it. Yeah, anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope everyone has a great week.